You're listening to the Dead Presidents Podcast. And this is the Top 5 Accomplished Presidential Sons. 5 Welcome to the Dead Presidents Podcast. I am James J. Hamilton. And I'm Stephen Lincoln Douglas. You know something, listeners? A lot of people have kids. That includes the presidents. Oh, yeah? That's right. Yeah, a lot of the presidents have had sons. And some of them have been accomplished. Well, just to preface this top five, not really a top five, more of uh, seven through three, because we have uh, disqualified uh, John Quincy Adams and George W. Bush from this list. That's right. I think, obviously, most accomplished sons, JQA would be number one. Yeah. And W would have to be number two. But that's not fair, and it's less interesting to the listeners, so disqualified. Refer yourself to episode six, and look forward to episode 43 for those guys. But as far as non-presidents... You might get some interesting tidbits on those fellas in our other episodes in various top fives. Yep. But today, we're going to talk about the top five most accomplished presidential sons. Number five. Jeb Bush. Born in 1953, Jeb Bush grew up in Houston and, like his father and older brother, went to high school at Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts. Unlike his father and brother, he chose not to go to Yale and instead attended the University of Texas at Austin. After college, he married Columba Gallo, whom he met in Mexico while teaching English in a summer program. He worked for Texas Commerce Bank and opened a new branch in Caracas, Venezuela. In 1980, he moved to Florida, where he worked in commercial real estate development and chaired the Dade County Republican Party. In 1986, he was appointed Florida's Secretary of Commerce, resigning in 1988 to work in his father's successful presidential campaign. In 1994, he runs for governor of Florida, losing with 49% of the vote. A pretty close one. He ran again in 1988 and won. As governor, he cut taxes, reduced spending through extensive use of the line-item veto, and increased the state's bond rating. He favored school choice, increased standards for schools, and passed tort reform and Medicaid reform. What's tort reform? Um, That's um, caps on lawsuits. Oh. Like medical malpractice oh, uh, regulation. Yeah. Uh, if I didn't know it, I'm, I'm sure 99% uh, of the listeners didn't. Interesting stuff. He also supports environmental conservation in the Everglades. He vetoes an $8 billion high-speed rail project and signs the nation's first stand-your-ground self-defense law. That sure wouldn't come back to bite him. He recused himself from the 2000 Florida recount that won his brother the presidency. Jeb was seen as a successful governor, winning re-election in 2002 and serving until 2007. In June 2015, he announced that he was running for president. He raised $100 million and in early July 
polls showed him as the frontrunner. But he was soon overtaken by WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump, who lambasted Jeb as low energy and said, the last thing we need is another Bush. Trump called him weak on illegal immigration and ran ads using video of Jeb describing illegal immigration as an act of love. Jeb tried to ignore Trump, assuming his campaign would fall apart. But Trump continued to surge, and it was Jeb's campaign that fell apart, his poll numbers dropping to a mere 3% by December. Jeb was mocked after a February 2016 town hall when he feebly asked the audience to please clap. Before dropping out of the race, he finished fifth in the Iowa caucus, fourth in the New Hampshire primary, and fifth in the South Carolina primary. Jeb and his brother are the only presidential sons to serve as governors. Well, that's something. Yeah, I mean, Jeb, there was suspicion in 2000 about the Florida recount as he was governor. I mean, there's this and that, but I mean... Overall, he was a pretty successful he did pretty governor. Good. Yeah. And that's going to bring us to the top five most accomplished presidential sons. Number four. Robert Todd Lincoln. Born in 1843, Robert Todd Lincoln, eldest child of Abraham and Mary Todd Lincoln. He had a somewhat distant relationship with his father. He wrote... Quote, During my childhood and early youth, he was almost constantly away from home, attending court, or making political speeches. After failing the Harvard entrance exam in 1859, Robert Todd Lincoln spent a year at Phillips Exeter Academy and then successfully entered Harvard, graduating in 1864. He enrolled at Harvard Law School but left in January 1865 to join the Union Army, over his mother's objections, at his father's request, he was commissioned a captain on Ulysses Grant's staff in the final weeks of the war. He saw no active combat, but was present at Lee's surrender at Appomattox. He turned down an invitation to Ford's Theater the night that his father was shot by John Wilkes Booth. He went on to practice law in Chicago, married a senator's daughter, had three children, after his brother Tad's death, he had his mother committed to a psychiatric hospital. He then acquiesced in her release after she threatened embarrassing publicity, and the two never fully reconciled. See top five most troubled first ladies, That's number right. one. Yeah. In 1881, President James Garfield appointed him Secretary of War. And he was present on July 2nd, 1881, when Garfield was shot by Charles Gateau. He headed the War Department for four years under Garfield and Chester Arthur. In 1884, he dispatched troops to restore order in Cincinnati after riots erupted over an allegedly rigged murder case. In 1887, he helped establish a school for disadvantaged boys in Chicago. In 89, President Benjamin Harrison appointed him U.S. Minister to the United Kingdom, where he served for four years. He returned to the practice of law, became general counsel for the Pullman Rail Car Company. In 1897, he was named the company's president and was chairman of the board from 1911 to 1922. 
1901, he was present at the Pan-American Exposition in Buffalo when President McKinley was shot by Leon Solgosh. That's right. Present at all three assassinations. Yeah, we made the joke before that Robert Todd Lincoln, the harbinger Mm -hmm. of presidential sorrow. He was mentioned as a possible candidate for the Republican presidential nomination in 1884, 88, 92, 96, and 1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1912-1
built the first presidential library at the family home peace field in Quincy, Massachusetts. And that, as we've talked about before, is a monumental place. Very and, impressive. Yeah, just <laughs> awe-inspiring. He went on to have seven children, including the eminent historian, Henry Adams. Pretty strong bloodline. Pretty strong bloodline in the Adams family. <laughs> and that's going to bring us to... Another strong bloodline. That's right. The top five most accomplished presidential sons. Number two. Theodore Roosevelt Jr. Born in 1887, T.R.'s eldest son graduated Harvard and worked as an investment banker before volunteering to fight in World War I. Commissioned a major, he was among the first Americans to see action, fought in several major battles, was wounded and gassed. He was recognized as the best battalion commander in his division. He was promoted to lieutenant colonel and earned the Distinguished Service Cross. After the war, he was elected to the New York State Legislature. And in 1921, President Harding appointed him Assistant Secretary of the Navy, post previously held by TR and FDR. Things running in the family once again here. Ted Jr. ran for governor of New York in 1924, but lost to Al Smith. 1929, he joined his brother Kermit on a zoological expedition to Southeast Asia and became the first Westerner to shoot a panda. Wow. Big accomplishment. Is it? Is it? Well. It's coming right for us. <laughs> Later that year... President Hoover appointed him governor of Puerto Rico, where he served for three years, working to alleviate the Depression by building schools and attracting American investment and philanthropy. 1932, Hoover named him governor general of the Philippines. He resigned after FDR became president. From different branches of the family, different political parties, FDR had not supported him when he ran for governor. No, uh, FDR like notoriously made that nomination speech for Al Smith mm -hmm. in 28. And T.R. Jr. said during the 1932 presidential campaign, quote, Franklin is such poor stuff, it seems improbable that he should be elected president. Wow. 1936... Ted Jr. was mentioned as a possible candidate for the Republican presidential nomination and the New York governorship, but chose not to run for either. In April 1941, he returned to active duty in the Army at the rank of Colonel and soon was promoted to Brigadier General. He commanded the 26th Infantry in the Allied Invasion of North Africa and the 1st Infantry Division in the Invasion of Sicily. He commanded the 4th Infant Infantry Division in the Normandy invasion and was the only general to land on the beaches in the first wave on D-Day. Yeah, if you remember the movie The Longest Day with that huge all-star cast, Henry Fonda portrays him in that. Yep. His landing craft had drifted south of where they were supposed to land on Utah Beach, but he famously said, We'll start the war from right here and improvised a plan that enabled his men to reach their objective through heavy fire. A month later, he died of a heart attack in France. In his diary, General Patton wrote that T.R. Jr. was, quote, one of the bravest men I've ever known. 
Later asked to name the most heroic action he'd ever seen in combat, General Omar Bradley said Ted Roosevelt on Utah Beach. He was posthumously awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Yeah. Pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, his dad at San Juan Hill, him on Utah Beach. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have an honorable mention for all three of Teddy Roosevelt's other sons. Yeah, this is an unusual... Instance An accomplished here, family. Kermit, Kermit Roosevelt, he accompanied his father on his famous African and Brazilian expeditions. He also served in World War I with the British Army in the Middle East and the U.S. Army as an artillery major. In World War II, he fought in Norway with the British Army before rejoining the U.S. Army. He died at Fort Richardson, Alaska of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Yeah. I don't know all the details, but he was pretty messed up, I think. He was discharged from the British Army for health reasons, and I think he was in an institution for a few months. Tragic. His death was reported as a heart attack to spare his mother's feelings. But then you also got Archibald Roosevelt, who also served as an army captain in World War I, where he was severely wounded. And as a lieutenant colonel in the Pacific Theater of World War II, where he was again severely wounded. And then the youngest son, Quentin Roosevelt, served in the Army Air Corps during World War I and was killed in action, shot down over France in 1918. That's well, a tragedy in the Roosevelt family. Mm-hmm. Well, they were fighters. But, that being said, a lot of accomplishment. Yep. And that's going to bring us around... To the top five most accomplished presidential sons. Number one. Robert Taft. Born in 1889, the eldest son of William Howard Taft graduated from Yale College and Harvard Law School before being rejected from Army service in World War I due to poor eyesight. Instead, he served as legal advisor to Herbert Hoover's American Relief Administration. Beginning in 1920, he served 12 years in the Ohio State Legislature, including a year as Speaker of the House, where he opposed the KKK and Prohibition, and reformed the tax laws. In 1939, he was elected to the U.S. Senate, where he led the conservative coalition opposing the New Deal, criticizing it for waste, inefficiency, bureaucracy, deficit spending, and socialism. He favored limited government, a balanced budget, low taxes, pro-business and pro-growth economic policies, a strengthened military, and limited social welfare programs. He ran for the Republican presidential nomination in 1940, but the convention compromised on Wendell Wilkie. He strongly opposed U.S. intervention in World War II until Pearl Harbor, after which he fully supported the war effort. He condemned the Nuremberg trial as ex post facto law, arguing that vengeance is seldom justice. He received bipartisan criticism, but fellow Senator John F. Kennedy later applauded his principled stand in Profiles in Courage. In 1947, Taft became chairman of the Senate Labor Committee and wrote the Taft-Hartley Act, which was passed over President Truman's veto. It banned unfair union practice, outlawed closed shops, and created the concept of right-to-work law. In 1948, Taft lost the Republican nomination to his rival Thomas E. Dewey, who Taft believed was not conservative enough. He secured the passage of the Housing Act in 1949 and supported the Truman Doctrine, the Marshall Plan, and the creation of the State of Israel. 
He was re-elected to a third Senate term in 1950 and had earned the nickname Mr. Republican. He criticized Truman's handling of the Korean War and opposed stationing American troops in Europe, favoring long-distance air and sea power as a deterrent to the Soviet Union. In 1952, he sought the Republican nomination as leader of the conservative wing of the party, but Dewey convinced Dwight Eisenhower to run, and Eisenhower narrowly defeated Taft for the nomination. In 1953, Taft became Senate Majority Leader. He strongly supported Eisenhower's domestic policies, tried to curb Joe McCarthy's red baiting, and warned against U.S. military involvement in Vietnam. Six months after becoming Majority Leader, Taft was diagnosed with cancer and died within two months. In 1957, a Senate committee led by JFK selected Taft as one of five great senators. The Robert A. Taft Memorial, a 100-foot bell tower with a 10-foot statue of Taft, was constructed on Constitution Avenue near the U.S. Capitol. A larger-than-life-size tribute. Yep. Pretty accomplished. Indeed. Mr. Republican Robert Taft, wheeling and dealing on the right side of the aisle for a long amount of years. Yeah, he was one of the major forces in the mid 20th century. That's right. We got some more honorable mentions real quick. A lot of accomplished presidential sons. That's right. John Van Buren served as New York Attorney General and was a party leader in the Democratic and Free Soil parties. John Scott Harrison, the son of William Henry Harrison, served in the U.S. House of Representatives and fathered President Benjamin Harrison. That's right. John Tyler Jr., served as Confederate Assistant Secretary of War, and much later, David Gardner Tyler served in the U.S. House of Representatives. Richard Taylor was a Confederate Lieutenant General, the last Confederate General to lay down his arms. James Webb Hayes won the Congressional Medal of Honor for service in the Philippines during the Spanish-American War. James Rudolph Garfield served as Secretary of the Interior under Teddy Roosevelt, who called Garfield's administration of that department, quote, beyond comparison, the best we have ever had. Herbert Hoover Jr. was Under Secretary of State for Middle Eastern Affairs under Eisenhower. FDR's three sons, James Elliott and FDR Jr., all served in World War II, with James and FDR Jr. later serving in the U.S. House of Representatives. Finally, John S.D. Eisenhower served in the Korean War, and became a noted historian and author of books that have been recommended on this podcast. That's right. One of the highest honors any historian can receive. That's for sure. Until next time, this has been the Dead Presidents Podcast. <laughs>